Gentlemen, boys and girls, Sense and Brewcast. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. We've done this plenty of times that you should hopefully have figured that out because you click on the title when you choose what podcast to play. So hopefully you know what you're listening to. Um, this is uh, another odd show for me. I'm not sitting in a tap room. I'm holed up in the basement because we are still quarantined in my house and it creates for all kinds of chaos. But it also creates an opportunity, if not to force me to do it, I, I don't I've been trying to to put the show together for what seems like forever and other things always seem to um, jump in the way of actually doing it. So um, Justin from the Ohio Craft Brewers Association um, welcome to the show. It's first time on the show. First time, I think, the first time I've had anybody from the uh, OCBA on the show. And that's insane considering how many episodes that I've done. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about Ohio beer with you. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, you know, I, I don't want to say that it's a good time to talk about this because of the way this year has been but it is a timely um, discussion to talk about the importance of the ocba um, but before we do anything we have to drink a beer because this is a beer podcast the beer we have fridge. a segment that we do on the show that is dedicated just to that it's called From the beer fridge and i saw you already cracked yours open and i saw what it was i saw yeah, yeah. um do you want to talk about what you're drinking sure um I've been taking advantage of a lot of the home delivery and shipping options that Ohio breweries are are uh, putting out there for everybody. And I just had a case of beer from Fretboard uh, delivered up here to my uh, to my home in Columbus. Uh, I was really excited to hear about the collaboration that they're doing or that they did with uh, Woolly Pig Farm Brewery uh, out in Fresno, Ohio. Uh, the uh, the ooh ah, uh, and I'm. My my German is a little rusty here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. Uh, I'm sure uh, one or both of the Kevins will yell at me next time uh, next time they see me if I say it wrong. But I believe it's ungespundet. Uh, I think be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Ooh ah, ungespundet lager. Uh, I, I I do a weekly blog uh, at OhioCraftBeer.org, and I wrote about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, just before it came out uh, in cans at Fretboard. Um, I, I, I'm generally kind of lean more toward lagers uh, when, you know, my own personal drinking preferences. Uh, and I, I really love what Kevin Moreland, Kevin Ely are doing uh, separately, you know, uh, as far as, uh, as far as the lagers that they're putting out, just fantastic beers. And, you know, when I saw the two of them were getting together, I uh, made a made a note in my calendar that I needed to order some of that in for shipping. So, uh, yeah, I've never gotten the chance to try anything from Wooly Pig. Um, I've heard amazing things about the brewery. Uh, Betty over at Fibonacci has been, you know, hounded me for a long time. She's like, you guys need to get up there and see this place. It's the coolest thing ever. And I have never gotten a chance to make it up there. Obviously, I've had plenty of stuff from from Fretboard, though, since they are they're local to me here. But um, 
the that specific beer i've not gotten a chance to try yet i've been kind of chomping at the bit to get a hold of it and uh and see how it is i i know nothing about the uh the the style at all i just from what they kind of have put out there in the marketing for the beer um i i'm, I'm really curious to try it <laughs> yeah it's really great it's uh you know it it's uh pretty pretty well uh pretty well balanced uh you get a lot lower carbonation uh, because of the way that the the that it's matured. Uh, Ungespundet uh, means un, uh, unplugged or unbunged, so you get like uh, you get some of the atmosphere uh, into the fermentation vessel, uh, and it kind of naturally lowers the carbonation of the beer. So you get a lot more of the characteristics uh, of the malt and the hops uh, in the finished beer because you're not getting as much of a carbonation bite. Mm. Uh, so you can really kind of appreciate. Uh, the you know the the ingredients that went into it, and I, I'm trying to remember. I think it's on the, on the can here. If you'll let me cheat, uh, Best Malts and the Country Malt Group both uh, both donated. I don't know if they donated, but they somehow uh, got malt into this process. Uh, and I, I didn't see exactly which malts they contributed, but uh, uh, I, there might be Red X in here. I'm not sure. Um, Being Red X. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I think it's a really it's a really nice beer. I'm, this is. Uh, for for a lager drinker, uh, you know, when the weather starts to get cold, you're looking for something a little bit more, uh, something that has a little bit more more heft to it, or a little more a little a little bit more full mouthfeel, and like that lack of, or it's not total lack of carbonation, but the the less uh, carbonation that's in this brew kind of makes it feel like it can hold up to a to a colder fall day. Well, like we're- today. You know, for what seems like for a very long time, like there were there were great loggers around, but not a lot of them. Whereas now we've kind of turned this corner, and maybe it's just you know a, a combination of a couple other factors. But um, there are incredible loggers all over the place now. You, you, you know, we can talk just about Ohio, but you know where I'm at here, you know, we get a lot of stuff from Northern Kentucky and stuff like that too. There is just so 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 many fantastic loggers, and for somebody, I say somebody like me, I think every craft beer drinker is kind of in that same boat right now, where they're all kind of gung ho about you know snagging some craft lager. But it's a it's a good time to be a logger fan because there's stuff like that that's a little bit different and a little bit kind of beyond what we you know traditionally have always thought logger was. You know, it's it's just it's really really fun. I went a completely different direction with what I'm drinking today. Um, my house is all Christmased out upstairs. There's stuff <laughs> everywhere. We um, we put up our tree a couple days ago and it was just looking a little shabby and just kind of past its day. So we ordered another tree, which came today via Amazon. So I have a tree without ornaments, one with ornaments. It's, it's chaos upstairs, Christmas chaos. And it snowed today. So I went with a uh, Santa's bribe from Taft's Christmas, oh, um, Christmas cookie ale, I think is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinnamon, ginger. Uh, I think there's, it's probably an oatmeal base maybe it doesn't tell me a lot on here um ale brewed with cinnamon ginger and vanilla so it's a cookie ale it's a good way to put it and it's yeah. um, it's exactly what i want when it's snowing outside oh totally and i've i've said it many times on the blog and it's been written everywhere by everyone but i feel like if there is a capital of christmas beers ohio is it i like, think you know you know, Great Lakes Christmas Ale is kind of the standard bearer. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the first Christmas ale in existence, but I feel like it at least regionally is the most popular. It's the one that everyone has tried to emulate or you know or innovate from from that base. 
Uh, and you know, if you are, if you're in Northeast Ohio at all, uh, you know, anytime between October and January, literally every brewery and just about every bar has somebody's Christmas ale on, on <laughs> tap and probably several. Well, hopefully within the next couple weeks, we will have an entire show dedicated to Christmas beers. Uh, I'm going to sit down with Brett from Urban, who is a Christmas beer nut job, and I'm <laughs> in the nicest way possible. And we're gonna we're gonna drink through some of the uh, some of the new fun stuff, some of the stereotypical kind of uh, crappy Christmas ale, some of the some of every <laughs> little bit of everything that I'm, I'm stocking up to uh, prepare for that show. So um, stay tuned for that. Let's dive into this. So the OCBA, you guys have been around since what 2008? Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Talk a little bit about what the purpose of the organization is, is. <laughs> because I think sure. that has that has definitely maybe maybe not redefined itself, but maybe solidified itself a lot harder in the last year. Or so, yeah, I mean, we're the uh, the nonprofit trade association uh, that represents Ohio's craft breweries. So, you know, our mission is to promote, preserve, diversify, and unify Ohio's craft brewing industry. Uh, basically, that manifests itself in, in four major ways. Uh, one uh, is in the legislative and regulatory advocacy that we do on behalf of breweries. Uh, so, you know, we're uh, you know, through you know, direct outreach uh, and through, uh, you know, we, we contract a lobbyist uh, at the Ohio State House. You know, we're, we're talking to legislatures or legislators. We're trying to get brewery favorable legislation passed. Uh, you know, things that are going to help, help small brewers across Ohio. Uh, and we're also, you know, we're, we have working relationships with uh, regulators like the Ohio Division of Liquor Control. Uh, you know, we're, we've been having conversations with the governor's office, uh, you know, especially now with, uh, you know, all the, uh, all the public health measures that are being taken in response to COVID. Uh, you know, we, we do uh, some limited outreach with, uh, you know, the Ohio Department of Agriculture, Ohio Department of Health. Uh, you know, anybody who could, who could potentially uh, have uh, a, a regulatory authority over a brewery, uh, you know, we'll we'll do some advocacy for breweries on uh, on their behalf uh, when when needed. Uh, so we do a lot. We do a lot of that. That's that's primarily why our trade association and why most trade associations exist uh, is you know to kind of consolidate uh, everyone's voices into. Uh, legislation and regulation that makes sense for everyone. Uh, we also, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, keep, no, keep going. I, <laughs> I, I, so for people who kind of um, maybe don't pay that much attention to, to the legal side of all the stuff that's happening around craft beer, if you think back to, you know, the early 2000s, we, we couldn't have tap rooms. So getting that tap room law passed, I assume, was a, a, a big um, factor with the, with the early kind of craft brewers association. Um, the, um, uh, the ABV limit, when that got lifted, I assume that was something you guys uh, were behind <laughs> a lot trying to get that to happen. Stuff like that that just keeps, um, keeps craft beer growing and keeps uh, keeps promoting this idea that Ohio is a craft beer state. And in my opinion, the same way that any of those stereotypical West coast States are like, we were right there alongside them of the things that we're doing. And um, we might've been a little behind them on some of that stuff happening because of some of the laws that were in place. Yeah. And in, in every, every state has different laws as it, re, as it 
pertains to alcohol. So, you know, you have 50 states plus DC, uh, all with varying levels of regulation or permissions uh, that a brewery can take advantage of. Uh, like when, uh, you know, when everyone had to lock down back in March uh, and breweries could only do uh, carry out uh, or to go beer uh, and not have any uh, on-premise customers. Uh, the first thing that we did was communicate with all of our members and let them know that, you know, their permits allow them to, to do carry out, to do curbside carry out, which isn't necessarily a given. Like if you're, if where you're taking the beer outside is outside of your permit premises, uh, you know, you need some sort of legal protection to be able to sell beer there or to deliver beer there. Right. Uh, so like we've, we also have, uh, we have the right of uh, delivery, like home delivery, uh, as long as the sale technically happens on the premises. So like if you order beer through a brewery's website, you know, the point of sale is actually at the brewery. They can deliver it anywhere in the state of Ohio at that point, as long as that, as long as that sale is made, uh, you know, in the, in the tap room. Uh, and that also pertains to shipping. So you can, you know, without, uh, without additional licensure from the state, uh, you do have to get a permit from UPS or go through some, uh, some paperwork with uh, like a common carrier shipper. Right. Uh, but without any additional state permits, uh, you can mail beer or ship beer uh, to any customer within the state of Ohio. Um, other states, some other states that people think think of as progressive craft beer states, actually had to fight for that from day one when they were you know when they were facing their own uh, their own closures and lockdowns. We never had that issue here, and a lot of that is you know some of it is just the way it was written, some of it is the way it's interpreted, some of it is the way that we've you know lobbied to have it interpreted. Uh, and, you know, we've been, we've been very fortunate that, you know, our, our relationships with the regulators and legislators have been pretty positive for the most part that, you know, when we, when we come knocking and say, Hey, this is something that can, that'll really help breweries and there's no reason not to do it. You know, a lot of times, you know, the, the regulators and the legislators agree with us and, and find ways to make it happen. It's this, this last year, there has been a lot of good things that have come out of that, of, of, of making clear the things that people are allowed to do and how they're allowed to do it. And as, as a beer fan, it's, it's been wonderful to be able to just, you know, like you said, just jump on your computer and, you know, order a, a case of beer and then, then it's on your doorstep. <laughs> like that's, it's an, it's an incredible time to be able to do stuff like that. It's unfortunate that a lot of that was kind of pushed upon by something like COVID and the, uh, you know, just the need to do it. And um, in the last, in the last year, so for 2020, uh, what are some of the roles that you've seen for the OCBA that have changed or maybe um, kind of been spotlighted more that they might not have been before? Uh, I mean, within our own membership, uh, we like I, I was about to tell you the, the the four things that are kind of the manifestations of what our mission are. Uh, the next one is uh, providing educational resources to breweries, uh, and I'll, in most years that you know takes the form of our educational conference, uh, some occasional uh, educational presentations at our uh, at our membership meetings, uh, and putting a few other resources out. We have a we have an online. Uh, educational resource directory that uh, that our members can take advantage of, but you know, in the time of COVID, 
you know, education kind of took the form of, you know, hey, you guys need access to, you know, up to the date or up to date uh, information about what's expected of you uh, legally by the state for public health protocols, uh, information on how to, uh, you know, how to access federal funds, state funds, uh, you know, to, to help you try and weather the crisis, uh, you know, understanding what your, what your rights are as far as, you know, beer delivery, shipping, uh, you know, we've been, we've been doing our best to stay connected with everyone and, and give them, you know, the, the best possible information that we can give uh, on all the opportunities that they can take advantage of and all the things that, uh, that they have to, you know, that they have to comply with, uh, you know, in order to, to keep their businesses open. Uh, you know, that's, that education part of it has, has really taken on a life of its own this year that it never really did before. You know, we, we weren't, we weren't blasting out, you know, uh, educational information to our members on a, you know, weekly or biweekly basis before any of this stuff happened. Um, I like to think that, you know, what we've, what we've been doing in service of our members has been helpful and has, you know, has kept, you know, a, a few of them uh, you know, has given them some resources to be able to keep going. Uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of positive feedback uh, from our members about, you know, the service that we provide. And, you know, it's it, at the end of the day, my job is dependent on, you know, making sure that they, that all of Ohio's breweries can continue to make beer and can continue to stay in business and serve beer. Right. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm as, I'm not as, vested in a brewery success as somebody who, you know, dumped a half a million or a million dollars into building it out. But it is, you know, it is my job and it is my mission uh, to make sure that, you know, I'm doing everything I possibly can to help them, you know, keep their, keep their business afloat and keep their, keep their dreams going and keep their customers happy and keep beer flowing out of the taps. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, Ohio as a, as a whole has this big, giant machine that is craft beer you know it's as much as you you say you might not be as invested to one spot as somebody who dumped the money into it this bigger picture of this community that i mean that is what craft beer is that's what it's all about yes those little pieces of that are important but it's this this bigger picture of all of it working together and becoming this big thing that um, that you know attracts people to our state to come and drink the beer and to see what we're doing, to keep money flowing within those communities, to provide jobs, to provide a, a place for for people. Of it's there's there's a lot to craft beer that I think um, sometimes people forget when you're just you know cracking open a, a cold beer and and watching you know your wonderful sports teams. <laughs> <laughs> something that is hard to rally around in Ohio sometimes, <laughs> unless I guess, unless you're a, a Buckeyes fan. <laughs> um, you were talking about the, uh, the, the, you said there were four kind of main things that. Yeah. And you know, that kind of like, I can, I can segue into point number three. Uh, yeah. I'll, another huge part of what we do is the promotional aspect of craft beer. So, yeah, uh, through our website, ohiocraftbeer.org, uh, through our uh, our app and magazine, uh, both called Ohio on Tap, uh, through, you know, we, we leverage our, uh, our press contacts uh, pretty regularly to, uh, to try and get positive coverage of, you know, the things that, that we're doing to promote breweries and to promote the industry at large. Uh, you know, just in, in particular this year, 
uh, just a, just maybe a month or so ago, we, uh, we uh, started a program called Ohio Pint Day, uh, where we made these, I'm assuming this is going to be audio only, so I'm going to yes. show you the glass, but yeah. uh, 16 ounce pint glasses with, uh, with an art print on them. Uh, art was made by, uh, by Adam Hernandez, who's a, an artist here in Columbus, who's done some work uh, uh, doing designs for, uh, for Jackie O's cans uh, uh, amongst uh, many other art projects that he's, uh, that he's done. Uh, he does a lot of, uh, a lot of mural work uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of his work is, uh, is around town here. And, you know, I've always, I've always thought that I, his art is really compelling. Uh, so when we were looking for an artist, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I, I was familiar with his work and that he's worked in the beer sphere already kind of made it, uh, made it a pretty easy pick to have him make the inaugural design. So he made these, uh, this design of the, uh, the Cardinal Phoenix uh, that we, that we had printed on uh, 16 ounce can glasses uh, and we opened it up to our membership and said, you know, hey, we'll do a, you know, a big coordinated buy of these glasses. You can order as, you know, as many or as few as you want. Uh, I think, well, we had a minimum of like 36 per, like one case per uh, per brewery. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll promote the heck out of it. We'll do it on a Tuesday. Everybody puts their glasses out on a Tuesday and, you know, we'll see if we can't drive some, uh, drive some people to come visit your tap room on a day that they normally wouldn't. And we sold, and, and it was a, it was partly a fundraiser for OCBA uh, because we've had to cancel all of our fundraising events this year uh, with the exception of winter warmer fest, which we snuck in literally like <laughs> about a week or so before everything got shut down in March. Um, but uh, I mean, we had, we've had to cancel uh, three fundraising events uh, and two more in the uh, first quarter of next year. So, you know, our organization, you know, like any, like any nonprofit, like any organization at all, like relies on, uh, you know, relies on income to get done the, the goals that we set for ourselves. Uh, so we've been looking for some creative ways to raise funds uh, and we partnered with a, with a glassware provider uh, and we sold these glasses to uh to the individual breweries, uh, and they got you know they they obviously got a massive uh, quantity discount because we ended up selling ten thousand of these glasses. Uh, so they got some gorgeous glassware at a really really cheap price, uh, and OCBA got a dollar a glass from that promotion. And then we encouraged all of our breweries you know to you know, do whatever they want with the glasses. Well, legally we can't tell them what to do with the glasses. Uh, you know, the, nobody, nobody wants to talk about the, you know, the, the, the collusion word. Uh, we're not going to tell anybody what to do with the glasses, but you know, if you bought these, you know, if you bought these glasses for you know uh, two bucks a piece, you can sell them for whatever you want, you know, make some money for yourselves. Like we want, we want to make sure that our fundraisers are benefiting our members also. Right. Uh, you know, we're, you know, we're not hitting our members up, for additional funds. Uh, in fact, we, you know, we, we uh, delayed dues payments for a few months uh, earlier this year to try and, you know, while people were trying to figure out how they were going to make it through the, the, you know, the early part of the crisis uh, you know, we've been, we've given people or we've given members some uh, you know, some leeway on, uh, on payments. We've established like, you know, monthly payments so they don't have to, you know, they don't get lump sum dues 
Uh, but you know, I'm straying a little bit, but like getting to the point, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to make a, a promotional effort that also was uh, a potential moneymaker for our breweries too. Uh, yeah. And everything we heard from our breweries after, after the release of these glasses, like, they loved it. I mean, the, the glasses sold out of most places that had them on the day of the event. Uh, a few had glasses for a couple days. Uh, they were, they, some, some breweries were asking like, so are we going to do this again next month or <laughs> like uh, uh, you know, marketing one-on-one, you gotta you know, have a little, uh, a little, you know, exclusivity, a little, you gotta make your promotion special, but uh, we are definitely going to do it again next year. Uh, we're going to have we're going to get a different artist, um, probably from another part of the state, and just try to uh, try to get some some uh, representation for other parts of the state, and you know, probably change the glass design too. Uh, I mean the, the the glass shape and the glass right. design, and uh, you know, just make it a make it a collector's item, and we'll we'll keep doing it as long as people want to keep buying the glasses. Well, it's it's cool. It's hard to uh, you know in in any kind of industry it's hard to find something that hits those right points of being able to to raise money for the the cause or the the person or the company or whatever it is that you're trying to you know create some some income for and also have it serve the people that it's you know marketed towards and and with like it's it's hard to hit both of those sides of it you know it's you you see a lot of instances where you just feel like you're giving money to somebody and it's and that's fine because you know we you know we all like to support the people that we believe in but um it's hard to create things that that feel like everybody is winning and i think that that specifically was one of those times where it was just absolutely perfectly done and everybody felt like they were winning out of this whole promotion um I know I see the glasses all the time on Untapped now. Everybody's checking in with Olman, you know. Everybody's using Olman. Um, it's it'll be interesting to see, you know, when it's repeated again, how much bigger it gets. Because I think there were a lot of breweries that I talked to that were kind of on the fence about it. Of I don't know how many I'm supposed to. I don't know how many people are actually going to show up to do this. I mean, maybe I should just get you know a case or two. I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then they were sold out in in, in, in no time. Like oh man, we should. have <laughs> You know, yeah. so it'll, it'll be interesting to see now that people kind of understand what it is. And even on the drinker side, people that understand kind of what it is and, and, and why it's happening. Um, it'll, it'll be fun to see that. And again, like you said, the collector side of it is something that um, I think all of us beer drinkers have inside of us. We like all that collectible stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it'll be fun. Um, what, how did you get into this how did you um, personally get into this side of beer and you know we all we all like beer and getting into beer isn't that uh, complicated you try one that you you know like and oh this is what it's supposed to be but getting into the um the other side of it you know this um this 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 legal side and this um the how did you do that um i uh i got a degree in communications uh from the from the Bowling Green State University. Um, and uh, I, I worked in corporate communications for about seven years uh, for a company that did uh, that did political merchandising, actually. Um, so we, we set up uh, fundraising solutions based around merchandising, uh, which is 
And when I say I did corporate communications, I did that in addition to a bunch of other stuff because it was a very small company. Right. Uh, it was a very small company with very large contracts. Like we we did the uh, we did. I don't want to. You know what? I don't want to alienate anybody who might be listening. We serviced a presidential campaign in two thousand eight, and I won't say which one. Okay. <laughs> but they had a very strong merchandising program. Um, so that kind of that kind of set me along like my you know, my interest in politics was kind of already there um, and I had a background in communications and I, I handled all of the communications for this uh, for this company uh, for the the whole time that I worked there uh, a few years after that uh, after the 2008 uh, presidential campaign, uh, the company, the company didn't really make it. They're still around, but they, the, the that incarnation of the company didn't really survive. So, uh, I found myself, you know, looking for, looking for a new, uh, a new challenge. Uh, and I, I actually got out of communications and I started, uh, working in, uh, in restaurants and hospitality. Uh, I worked, uh, I worked back a house. Uh, for a couple of years, uh, and eventually, with a couple partners, uh, opened uh, a little craft beer bar here in Columbus. Uh, that uh, I was, uh, I was essentially, I was the general manager of the of that bar. And in 2016, uh, I was just randomly on Facebook, and a couple of my friends posted that the Ohio Craft Brewers Association was looking for a communications person. And uh, after, let's see, four four or five years in in the bar and restaurant business, uh, I decided that I didn't really love the lifestyle. Uh, And, you know, the, uh, I didn't love only working nights and weekends uh, for, you know, and, having uh, a family life that was not geared toward that at all. Right. Uh, so, uh, so it seemed, it seemed like the kind of thing that I would have, that I, that I would enjoy. Uh, and I had gotten into, I mean, I had gotten into craft beer from, you know, from running the bar. Uh, you know, I was sort of into it a little bit before. And then, you know, obviously like getting to know the industry from the, from the retail side uh, kind of helped, uh, helped out a lot in, you know, Piquing my interest in the in the industry, so when that opportunity came up, I I applied for the job, and you know, as it turns out, I got it. So good for me! Right? I give myself <laughs> a high five every every morning when I realize what I get to do for a living. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I it's a steep learning curve. But like you know, the the job kind of uh, it played to all of my strengths. You know, I I like beer. You know, I'll, I'll never claim to be an expert. But I, you know, I, I like it enough to be able to talk about it intelligently. Uh, and you know, my my strengths are really in uh, in you know telling the story of the industry and the organization and the and of the breweries that make it up. So yeah, that's that's where I that's where I kind of you know that's the the value that I bring to OCBA. I mean, and and I should I should say that you know, most everything that OCBA is uh, right now is due in large part to uh to mary mcdonald our executive director who was 
Uh, she started with OCBA in 2013, uh, and you know there was no there was no paid staff before 2013. It was all a volunteer board trying to you know trying to get things done. Uh, and you know, and and you know, they they accomplished a few things like you know the 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 bill that created the the small brewery license and permitted tap rooms. You know that was that was part of uh, part of their efforts uh, before before Mary started. But like growing this organization into what it has become and what we what we're able to you know the value that we're able to provide to breweries, that's all Mary. I mean, she she did all the heavy lifting on on that and. Yeah, you should definitely have her on the show at some point to tell that story because it's fascinating and and also I mean she really deserves a ton of credit for you know for helping to make this industry you know more more united and uh, and and generally more renowned uh, you know across the country. Well, it's as craft beer just in general as craft beer goes, but even, you know, when you look at these smaller communities, as they start to grow into these bigger, bigger things, it's really easy for those, what used to be tight knit kind of communities of people in breweries. It's easy for them to kind of uh, split apart a little bit and people get kind of caught up in, in their day to day of trying to you know, run a business. And it's important in, in my opinion, to have something an organization like this that can um, provide that backbone that always kind of holds it all together. You know, it's, 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 you know, when stuff like this as 2020 happens, you know, to have those people that, you know, that you can call and be like, what in the hell do I do? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. and that they're like, Oh, it's okay. You know, here's, here's the, here's what we need to, to work on right now. Here's, here's what you can be doing. Here's, you know, you don't have growlers. That's fine. Here's, here's a place that you can get this. If, yo, you don't have, you know, you're not distributing beer. That's okay. You know, here's how you can do that. And just to, to kind of, to even just to calm people down and let people know that there are avenues for everything that you can do that you're not alone in anything. There is somebody else that has, has the same problems that you do. And um, here's a way for you guys to come together. Behind. It's just so important right now. And uh, you know, I, I've heard more from people in the last, you know, uh, six months, the importance of the OCBA than I ever have before. And I don't know if that's just because of, of this or people kind of um, didn't pay attention to it as much. It's, you know, it's, it's in your face now that you, you need some of this stuff. I, I don't know, but it's uh 2020 has definitely, like I said, shown a spotlight on a lot of things that uh, might've been just there and, and, and not, um, not spotlighted, I guess it's uh yeah, and and that kind of segues into you know the the fourth the fourth pillar the fourth manifestation of of what we do, uh, and that really is you know providing uh, providing community support like providing a way to get you know breweries and brewery employees of disparate backgrounds of you know varying sizes in all parts of the state you know like this this diverse group of you know businesses and and employees like talking together about you know what's in their best interest you know and and what you know and and sharing their experience you know uh you know a brewery that's been around for for 10 years and and they're really this is another reason why i give myself a high five every day when i 
and when I realize what I get to do for a living, this is, this industry is so unique in that you have competitors who are sharing as much information with each other about how to make better products yeah. and how to, and how to sell them better. And like sharing all of you know, these secrets, you know, about, you know, about what it takes to, you know, to run a successful brewery. And, and, and sending their customers to each other. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you're entering yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, you know, when was, when was the last time you heard of like any other industry that acts like this? You know, yeah. it, it, it doesn't exist. And the fact that, you know, the fact that everybody more or less realizes that, you know, we're all, you know, success of, success of all of us, you know, is what's going to make any individual one of us survive. Yeah. I mean, there, there's going to be an exception. You know, we, we, you know, we talk, we get questions from press all the time. Like how many breweries have closed this year? It's like, well, you know, 10 breweries have closed, but 60 have opened, you know? Uh, and it's been that way for, you know, for years. It's like, well, when is the bubble going to burst? It's like, well, is it, you know, I mean, like the, you know, there's, it continues, you know, we continue to see more breweries. We don't necessarily see, you know, a, a rise in production or consumption, you know, but we see, you know, more and more breweries. And the fact that like, there's, there's room for, you know, a brewery that makes 100, 200, 300 barrels a year to enter this market and do okay. You know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're not, you know, nobody's getting into it to be Rheingeist now. Yeah, I mean, let me me back back up. Very few are getting into it to be Rheingeist now. And it's exceptionally hard now, as opposed to, you know, when Rheingeist started to to make a brewery or to start a brewery that, you know, is going to grow and be that size, like be that kind of regional, uh, that regional brewery with that kind of production volume. It's exceptionally difficult to do now. But the you know the business models that have been thriving for the last three to five years are neighborhood tap rooms. You know the the you know the places that are the places that are you know making you know uh, you know like Fibonacci. You know uh, I, I don't know what I don't know how many barrels Fibonacci makes a year. It's not many, <laughs> but they're but they're you know and, and that's a lot of turns on that brew house to make the amount of beer that they do. But you know they're they're doing okay. You know, a lot of places that are doing, you know, that are, uh, that are making small amounts and serving, you know, their communities, their neighborhoods, their small towns. Like the fact that we have breweries, like if you look at, if you look at the map of, you know, Ohio breweries, you have places, you know, like multiple breweries in Tiffin, Ohio, like <laughs> they're like 10,000 people that live in, I'm probably selling short. There might be 15,000 people that live in Tiffin. They have two breweries you know, and, and, and they're, like they're helping each other out. Like, uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, in in Sylvania, in suburban Toledo, you've got two. Well, I, I don't even have to use that example. I can I can use one closer to home for you. You know, Urban Artifact and Humble Monk are across the street from each other. Like they're literally across the street from each other. And you know, that's not a problem here. Yeah. You know, like we've got three, like almost three hundred and sixty breweries in the state. Uh, and I think there's room for more. I mean, I, I really do think there's room for more. I mean, obviously COVID complicates everything and we don't know how, you know, how this is all going to affect 
you know, the, the, the long, the short term or the long term. But like in February, if you had asked me if we were going to hit 400 breweries, like by the end of the year, I'd say, yeah, maybe like, you know, end of, end of 2020, like first half of 2021, probably like that might've slowed down a little bit, but, and, and I don't think 400 is even like that, like crazy of a number. I don't think I, when I look at just, you know, my bubble down here in Cincinnati and I look at the, the pockets that still have these massive amounts of craft beer drinkers that are leaving and having to go other places to go grab a beer on a, on a Thursday night or, you know, whenever they just want to go grab a quick beer, I guess there's room for a brewery there. There's room for a brewery. Like there's so many places that again, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a massive place that is trying to fill the shelves of Kroger. It can just be that place that you just, you walk to from your house. It's down the street. It's on the corner. You walk in, you know, Hey Dave, and you know, here's your beer. And you know, like it, it, that can be something. It doesn't have to be this traditional model of what a brewery is. It's not a city block that's cranking out tons of beer that, you know, the big factory, it, it doesn't have to be that it's, it's, it fits so many different molds now. Yes, that is still a brewery. Uh, uh, the little neighborhood place that's cranking out 100 barrels, that's still a brewery. A brew pub that is uh, f- more food-driven than beer-driven, but yes, they brew their own beer. That is still, like, there are so many different models now, and it's it's exciting to think um, as we get out of COVID world and get back into normal life, um, how things are going to keep progressing and keep redefining what this industry means and kind of spawns its own little um, arms of the industry and things that people can do with it. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's really, really exciting to watch. Yeah. And you know, this year has obviously been really, really challenging for, for everyone in this industry, but like I kind of mentioned, we, you know, we get the question like, how many breweries have closed? How many breweries have opened? This year, so far at least, doesn't look that far off from like the last two to three years in terms of number of breweries that have opened and closed. Like it looks very similar. I don't know what I don't know what that portends for next year. I really have no idea. But you know, like we, you know, we're gonna keep doing what we do. We're gonna advocate, we're gonna continue to advocate for uh, you know, for for relief funds and for stimulus funds, you know, for, for small breweries and their employees, you know, because if, you know, if it is determined that, you know, breweries, bars and restaurants need to close down again, you know, for, for public health, there's, you know, the society via the government bears some responsibility in making sure that, you know, employees are protected and the businesses have a chance to survive. Uh, you know, and we've been, you know, we've been trying to make that point uh, over and over, uh, you know, with, you know, with the state and federal governments, uh, you know, through our own lobbying, through coordinated lobbying with uh, other guilds and the, and the brewers, the National Brewers Association, uh, you know, just trying to, trying to make that argument that, you know, our, you know, you know, we're, we're not, we're not a small industry. We, you know, we're, we're an industry composed of many small businesses, but we're not a small industry. You know, uh, Ohio breweries are responsible for about a billion dollars worth of economic impact just in this state. 
and employ about 8,000 people. N- you know, nationally, obviously, those numbers are much, much larger. You know, it, you, can't, you can't forget us or leave us out. You know, right. when, when making decisions about, you know, what's, what's in, the, in the benefit of everyone. And, you know, no one, no one thinks that we need to, you know, that there need to be sacrificial lambs, you know, to get out of this crisis. But at the same time, like we, you know, we really need to, we, we need to come together and figure out ways to make sure that, you know, our, you know, our industry, like our industry, breweries, our employees, hospitality in general, you know, or really any other industry doesn't like end up getting uh, affected more than others and being you know, hurt more than others. Cause I mean, nobody wants to live in a world where, you know, your only, your only food options are chains or your only beer options are macros yeah, you know, nobody wants to live in that world. Like we already proven it. The market has proven that. Right. You, know, you have to like you have to take that into account. You have to you have to protect that. And it's it's unfair to the people who've who've you know sacrificed their life savings or their retirement funds or yeah you know, or you know hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, uh, you know, in in building something that essentially is made to make a community better and just say, no, sorry, I can't do anything for you. Yeah. It's also, it's also create like the time that we need these community hubs and these community centers that breweries have become is, is is now. And is when all of this kind of passes to that place Mm -hmm. that people can kind of gather and sit down and, sit with a beer with each other and be like, man, did you see that shit? Did you COVID <laughs> stuff? This was insane. And be like, man, I know I lost my job and I'm on my feet now, but man, that was, it was horrible. And like to be able to sit there and like have that, that spot where you can gather with that and, and create events and things like that to spawn, you know, this, this, this growth and to create, you know, hubs within communities that other businesses want to go like, that's, that's what breweries do. Other businesses, a lot of other businesses don't do that. I will get an angry email from somebody. Oh, of course. <laughs> but you know, like when you look at any kind of um, community thing, like there's almost always a brewery at the heart of it now. Like there is that spot for people to go and gather and, their home away from home it's you know it's it's so 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 important and it's going to in my opinion be even more important as we kind of head out of this to create that spot for people and i'll tell you what i feel safer right now walking into a brewery and having a beer and picking up some to go than i do at a family dinner on a sunday I mean, their uncle bob is you know coughing and hacking all over everybody and you know breweries are are on top of things and keeping things safe and um, making a space that is, uh, um, is, is, is healthy. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, a lot of other places aren't doing that. Yeah. So it's, it's insane I mean, to me to, to, to shut stuff like that down now at this right. point. Right. And, and every brewer, every brewer will tell you at heart, their job is janitor. I mean, that's, you know, you have to keep a clean environment to be able to make quality beer. And you know the, those principles don't end at the brew house; they extend out into the tap room. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 
you know, you, you hear the horror stories and you see the photos of, you know, of, you know, these, these bad actor establishments that are just, you know, packing people in when they're not supposed to, but like, and, and I hear, you know, I, I, I hear people, you know, when we, when we make statements about what our industry is doing, you know, I hear people you know, conflating bars with breweries and, you know, trying to paint us with the same brush and like, show me, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not even saying that, you know, some breweries, you know, aren't fully, you know, on board, you know. Right. Well, it goes both ways. There are probably some fantastic bars that are great with being COVID safe. And there's probably some not so great breweries that aren't very good about it. But sure. when, you look at the, the, when you look at the big kind of picture of it, breweries are where you go to have a beer and um, and talk about your beer <laughs> and yeah. bars are the place you go to uh, to pick up girls <laughs> that is the uh the overarching picture that is again going to get me an angry email but that is the, <laughs> that's the difference between the two <laughs> the the number one thing i've heard from our brewery members is that they feel like they've invested so much in what it takes to play by the rules now and despite that you know they're being demonized by you know certain people in you know in authority or by the public because of the actions of people who aren't taking it seriously you know and we you know we do everything in our power to you know to give people the resources and the advice to you know about how to conduct their businesses safely and you know, according to the state's requirements, but you know, uh, we're not an enforcement agency. Like we, you know, we can't tell someone that they have to do it. We can only tell someone that they should do it and how and how they can get those those resources. It's it's it really lays on you know every individual business owner to make those decisions. And you know what? Some you know uh, when. You know, when the first closure was being lifted uh, in in May, you know there were some breweries that were like, you know what, I'm not ready. To, I'm not ready to open yet. I I can't, you know, I I don't think I can follow the guidelines right out of the, right out of the, the starting gate. I'm gonna wait a month, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the investments. I'm gonna make the the necessary changes, and you know, I just want to make sure that I'm doing it right. And you know, the that's a you know that's a bottom line decision that you, that you have to make that you know, a month worth of revenue is just gone and you have all these additional expenses to, to get yourself compliant. You know, that's, that's something that I feel like our breweries do. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to paint bars as in general as being, you know, as being non-compliant, but I feel like the percentage of breweries that come at this challenge from a mindset of I'm going to be compliant rather than I'm going to see what I can get away with is much higher. Like we're, we have a much, much higher rate of people who, who want to do the right thing. I think um, if any industry is able to, uh, to handle something like this and then rebound from it, the beer industry is, is, is prime for that. It's, I've talked about this on the show plenty of times. It's it's a scrappy industry just by the nature of things. You know, it's always been about adapting and being creative and kind of pushing yourself to that, that, that limit of what normal is and then going above and beyond and kind of redefining that. So 
I, you know, as, as again, we've talked about it before, as much as I might be a little nervous for, you know, brewery X or whoever it is, I'm not worried about the industry. I'm not worried about Ohio beer. I think that we are going to uh, come back from this stronger than we went into it. Honestly, I think that it's going to, it's given people a lot of new ideas about the avenues that you can, uh, you can run a business with. And um, I think we'll be okay. I think, uh, I think we're going to get a whole bunch of really good packaged beer out of it. A whole bunch of lagers <laughs> and barrel aged beer. And <laughs> There definitely is a, a a time a time element to uh, to making your production decisions in 2020 for sure, uh, but but I mean it kind of goes back to the the point that you know not only is this industry scrappy and innovative but but we help each other out you know at, in in a way that a lot of other industries don't and you know we're we're finding you know our breweries are finding ways to try and help their you know their while competitors get through this thing, you know, relatively, you know, I don't want to say unscathed, but like get through this thing, period. Uh, and that, you know, that gives me a lot of hope for what's going to happen once we get past, you know, once we get vaccine, once we get closer to, you know, uh, to a, you know, a, a social immunity. Uh, when things start to get normal again, I feel like the fact that we stuck together through through all of it is what's really going to make it uh, make it work in in 2021 and beyond. Absolutely. Well, thanks for taking some time to sit down with me. Um, I think both of our beers are either empty or about empty, so that means that the time for the show is perfectly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much. If people want to know more about the OCBA, um, OhioCraftBeer.org, you can get on there. There is um, there is membership for just beer geeks too you can get on there and you can get some, uh, some cool uh, swag and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So um, I, I actually have a, I have a, a little uh, breaking news for you. If you, if you want oh. the, the first scoop on it, of course uh, we, uh, we are organizing uh, what we're calling the uh, Ohio craft experiences oh, auction. There. <laughs> uh, we are, uh, we're, we're holding a silent auction uh, from December 3rd to 12th uh, with the, uh, donation experience donations from our member breweries uh to try and raise some money for for ocba's mission so we have uh i think just under 30 items uh listed right now or right around 30 items listed right now uh anything from uh, actually some of the best ones are from the cincy area uh fretboard is uh, offering to name a beer after your band uh <laughs> which yeah, you know, hey, I I've been playing in bands for twenty five years. Uh, like that's kind of sweet. I would love to have a beer named after my band. Uh, I don't think I'm going to outbid you or anything, but but that is a that is an option for you from fretboard. Um, Urban Artifact is going to let a let somebody uh, design uh, and name one of their uh, beer releases in 2021. That's cool. Like from the ground up, like they'll work with you on, uh, I, I think is, I think part of it is going to be recipe development. Uh, you get to have input on, on the name and the, and the label design. Uh, I think you get to be part of the brew day. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's really, it's really cool. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's experiences from all over the state, uh, from like, I think about 30 different groups, uh, that you can, uh, you can check that out. It's, uh, it's ohiocraftbeer.org slash auction. Uh, and that runs uh, December 3rd through 12th. And yeah, that's, 
it's uh, just another another attempt to uh, you know find some badly needed funding for us to to continue to help breweries you know do the best they can through all this. Well, it's uh, you know the experiences around beer are to me what make it stronger than um, any other thing that we uh, we consume in our day to day life. It's you know it's not always even really about what's in your glass half the time it's the people you're with and the things that are happening. And so um, I think that's, that's a cool idea to, uh, to take that to the next level for, for beer drinkers too, and um, find, you know, that, that place that you love and kind of um, kick it up a couple notches and make you make yourself fall in love with them even more. <laughs> um, thank you very much, everybody uh, tune in next week. Um, my shows will be back to normal at some point. I will be, uh, I don't know when, but <laughs> At some point, life will return to normalcy. And like I said, we've got Christmas show coming up, Christmas beers. So stick around for that. Um, share it with your friends and uh, support your local breweries. Get out there and get some to-go beer and um, tell them that you love them. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>